Good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan. My wife, Lindsay, and I are members of the Northwest Global Team. And we, thanks to the coronavirus, we're going to be in the States for a couple months um, before we return to uh, the place we live overseas. So um, I know it's a tough time for everybody, but I'm excited to get to connect with you some, and I'm excited to get to share with you from, from James this morning. So we're looking today at James chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 7. We're looking at James 5, 7 through 12. And kind of the whole point of James is that James is telling us that, um, that it doesn't really matter, it doesn't really mean anything just that you believe the right things or that you go to church or that you um, you read your Bible or you do all this type, type of stuff, it, that that's all meaningless if you're not actually obeying God, if you're not actually doing the things that the Bible says we should be doing, that God's Word says we should we should be doing. Um, and he, he goes throughout the book, he, he unpacks different areas of our lives, um, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we uh, use our money, the way we treat other people, the way we handle conflict, lots and lots of stuff. Uh, and the way our, if we really do have faith, then it will show itself um, by manifesting in those different areas of, of our lives. And as we're reading through James, it's, it's, it's easy to be discouraged and feel like James is just kind of like beating us down more and more saying, oh, you know, this is bad and this is bad and this is bad. And, and then at the end of four and the beginning of five, he, he, starts to, he starts to be very critical and say that, you know, some people are being evil. And, and, um, and I don't know about you, but I can really just feel like, man, all, there's all this sin in my heart. And, you know, like I need to work on that. I need to work on the way I talk. I need to work on my tongue. I need to work on, um, I need to work on the desires in my heart. It just feels like my spiritual to-do list just got so much longer and it feels overwhelming and I think what James is doing in this passage is giving us some encouragement um, giving us some encouragement so let's look at James 5 starting in verse 7 and specifically his encouragement to us is he encourages us to be patient to be patient so James 5 7 he says be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So James is he's encouraging us to be patient. Um, and when I think of patient, my first thought is kind of like, um, don't lose your cool, don't lose your temper. You know, if I say, ah, you know, I, I need to be more patient with my with my wife or with my, my kids or whatever, then, you know, maybe what I mean is that I, I need to, I need to not, not get angry. You know, I need to, um, to keep my cool when stuff happens at home that maybe is frustrating or, or, or annoying. And I think that's kind of what, that's sort of related to what James is talking about. But I think, um, I, I think, 
maybe a different analogy will help us understand more of James's point when he says to be patient. I think so. For example, if I were going to meet, uh, let's say I was going to meet David Amon for lunch. You know, we're going to do a social distancing lunch at the park in um, yeah some park. We're sitting out, sitting six feet away. And this is a terrible example because David would never be late. And even as I use this example, he's probably just just feeling, you know, really uncomfortable. But let's just assume hypothetically that David was late. And so we're supposed to meet at 12, you know, 12.05, he's not there, 12.10, he's not there, 12.15, he's still not there. I text him, don't get anything back. And um, at a certain point, I might be started, I might be starting to think, oh, you know, maybe, maybe he's not coming. You know, maybe he's maybe uh, maybe I should just go home. I don't want to. I don't want to waste any more of my time. And, and maybe after a while, if I'm still not hearing anything, and he's still not there. Maybe I'm going to start thinking like, man, you know, David always does this. You know, he doesn't really value our friendship. And you know, like, like uh, yeah, forget this. I don't. You know, I'm just going home. I'm not going to wait for him anymore. And so that would be an example of being impatient. And so on the other hand, being patient is. So, okay, it's, it's 12.15, you know, we're supposed to meet at 12, haven't heard anything from David, where is he, I don't know, um, I'm hungry, but I know that David cares about me, I know that if he says he'll be here, he will be here, I trust that something must have come up, um, so I'm going to continue waiting, even though it's taking a lot longer than I expected it to. And I think that's kind of what James is talking about when he says to be patient. To be patient here means to, uh, to not give up even though um, something is taking longer than you expected it to. And so he says specifically to be patient, my brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So life is hard. And, you know, life in general is hard. There's, there's, there's pandemics, you know, there's traffic jams, there's, there, there's lots of difficulties and frustrations in life. And then as Christians, as we start to examine our hearts, now, now, we're, now we're trying to not only kind of function in the world, but we're also trying to be holy. And, and that's, that's really hard and can be very discouraging. That can be very discouraging too. And, um, and then obviously there's, there's persecution in certain contexts. There's, there's persecution where people are being, um, being slandered or even being put in jail or maybe even being killed uh, because of, of what they believe. And so it's very it's scary and it's difficult. And so what James is saying is that, you know, it's, it's hard now, but be patient because Jesus is coming. And when he does come back, he's going to renew you He's going to renew us. He's going to renew the world. And there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more persecution. There'll be no more temptation or sin or evil. All these struggles that we have now are, are going to be gone. And we can live in, in, in harmony, live in joy with, with God, with each other, and with, and with, with creation. And you know, I, I can't help but thinking, like, I mean, this is a couple decades after Jesus went, after Jesus ascended back to heaven. If James has to remind people a couple decades after Jesus went back to heaven, that, oh, don't worry, guys, I know it's taken a long time, but, you know, he, he, he said he's coming back, he, he's, trust him, he's really going to come back, be patient. I mean, how much more for us, 2,000 years later, um, do we need to be reminded that, no, he, he really is coming back, and we're, we're waiting, we're waiting for him. We're, we're not just waiting to die, we're not just waiting until we get it right, we're waiting for Jesus to, to come back and to renew everything. Um, and so James gives, I think there's, there's several things, but there's two things James says in this passage that are going to help us think, are going to help us know what it looks like to be patient and are going to encourage us to be patient. So first of all, James says, 
uh, he says that we should think like a farmer. He says, think like a farmer. Look at the second half of verse 7. He says, he says the second half of verse 7, he says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Um, and so, okay, so he talks about a farmer. And the whole idea behind farming is that you have to work really hard for a long time, and then after months or you know maybe even close to a year, you finally get the food. You finally get your get your crop. Um, so you have to work really hard for a long time, and it takes it takes a long time. Uh, yeah, I remember. So one thing about farmers, I think about my dad. My dad, he grew up on a farm. And he loves farming, and now that he's retired, he spends as much time as he can in his garden. And so a couple weeks ago, my family and I, and I have three little girls, ages five, two, and then three months. And um, so we were at my parents' house, and the thing that my girls were most excited about doing was helping Papa, they call her Grandpa Papa, helping Papa in, in the garden. And he was he was really excited about it too. He got these like uh he got these really cute kind of Disney princess themed garden spades. And so they were really excited. They're kinda of, they're helping him in the in the garden. And he was planting um tomatoes. And so he helps the girls know like how to kind of make a little a little spot to put the seed, okay, and you put the seed in and then you kinda of do do this sort of thing. And um and so my, my daughter comes running in the house and she's like, Daddy, Daddy, oh, we, we planted tomatoes. We're going to have tomatoes. And she was so excited. I said, oh, that's great, sweetheart. And then um, she, she went and, and took a nap. And as soon as she got up from a nap, the first thing she did is went right out to the garden and is like, um, and, and looks at where we planted the tomatoes and is like, well, where's, where's the tomatoes? We planted these tomatoes like four hours ago. Where's, where's the tomatoes? And we told her, well, you know, honey, it takes it takes kind of a long time. The tomatoes don't just just grow immediately. It takes it takes kind of a long time. And and, and then she's like, oh, okay, you know, she's not happy about it, but I guess we'll, we can wait. And then, um, so we go throughout the rest of our day, go to bed, get up. Um, first thing in the morning, she goes back and looks at the uh, at the garden, and, and then she's like, well, but we planted these tomatoes yesterday. Where's our tomatoes? And we said, well, honey, it can take, it can take a, a, a really long time. Well, how long does it take? Like, well, it, it, might, take, it, it, it might take a few months before we actually have the tomatoes that, that we planted. And, and you can just tell she's kind of sitting there thinking like, what is a month? How many naps are in a month? And, and yeah, I'm thinking, that's yeah, true. It's true. It's, I mean, how can she think about that? I mean, that's like a significant percentage of the time that she's been alive. We're saying she's going to have to wait. And um, and that's kind of cute, and we can we can all understand the idea that you don't just plant a a tomato and then um, check back three hours or a day later, and up oh, there you have your tomato. And we know that okay, you look at where you planted the seed, and you know the day after, maybe the week after, it might look from above the ground that nothing is happening, that nothing's happening at all, but it is growing, and eventually um, you will have you will have the fruit. And sometimes that's the way it can that that is the way James is telling us that is the way it is with um, growing as disciples of Christ. But I think um, we, we get this concept with tomatoes, but for some reason we don't really understand how that applies to us as disciples of Jesus. That very often we can, you know, we can we can read a book, we can read a marriage book or go to marriage counseling and then and then you know the next week 
kind of, kind of be like, well, where's where's my happy marriage? I, I thought, you know, we, we went to counseling and we did that conference and we, we started praying together. Like, where's my happy marriage? Or maybe we're struggling with addiction and um, you know, we got our accountability partner and we're, we're starting to... We're starting to pursue growth and trying to be free from those addictions from pornography or substances or whatever it is. And then, you know, a a, a few months later, maybe even, I mean, very often, years and years later, it's easy to feel like, man, have I grown at all? It seems like I'm exactly in the same place as I was when I started this, however long ago. And what James is telling us is that, is that think like a farmer. Um, because a farmer knows that as long as you don't give up, one day you will see results. And that's the way it is for us in the Christian life, too. One day you will see growth and you will see results. It might take a lot longer. It probably will take a lot longer than you expect it to. But one day, whether it's years from now or whether it's um, when Jesus comes back, we will see the, the, the fruit of us submitting ourselves to God and continuing to, to follow Jesus. We're going to see the, the fruit and the, and the results of this growth um, in our lives. So that's the first thing is to think like a farmer um, the, and to, to know that one day we will see results as long as we don't give up. And secondly, um, he talks about some Old Testament figures and specifically Job. So look at, um, yeah, in verse 10, he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So, he's talking about the prophets, um, and Job in particular, you know, Job a little bit different than a prophet, but um, he's a, an Old Testament biblical figure that w- would have been somebody that they would have regarded as kind of like the, one of the heroes of their faith. Kind of like we look back on like Martin Luther or John Calvin as being people that we really say, man, I really want to have faith like them. I really want to love God and, and, and serve God like they did. That's how they might look back at, uh, at, at Job or Isaiah or, or Moses or some of the, the Old Testament figures. And so, okay, so the thing about Job and the, this is true for many of the Old Testament prophets and figures, but especially for Job. Um, Job's life was really hard. And, you know, if, you know, the story, Job was really rich and he was very pious. He was worshiping God. He was a, he was a good father, a good husband, um, had a lot of money, a lot of wealth, and a lot of crops and animals and all that type of stuff. And God allows Satan to take all of that away from him and make Job completely miserable. And Job has no idea this is going on. So he's completely miserable. He's sick. He's hurting. He's lost his his family. He's lost all of his money, all of his possessions. And there's this time where Job is talking to his wife. And his wife, I think we can give Job's wife a hard time sometimes. But, you know, if we're being honest, some of us probably have this this voice in our head too. We're probably thinking this from time to time as well. His, his wife gives him some advice. She says, Job, you should just curse God and die. And she says, just curse God and die. Because she sees Job, you know, like he's still worshiping God. He's still praying. He's still trusting God. And she says, Job, you look at all this stuff you've done for God. You've lived such a good life. And God let this happen to you. God doesn't care about you. Forget God. Just curse God and let's end this. Just curse God and die. And, you know, when we experience 
truly devastating tragedies like losing a child, like um, like cancer, um, you know, maybe going bankrupt, um, other things that, that are just, you know, not just kind of things that are frustrating or disappointing, but, but just, we just feel crushed. We often kind of have that voice in the back of our head, like Job's wife that's telling us, you know, God doesn't care about you. Look at all, you know, you, you were trying to, look how you were, you were serving at church, you were honoring God with your money, and God lets you go bankrupt and lose your business. You know, God let that happen to your child. God let that happen to your, your parents or your spouse. God doesn't care about you. Just curse God and die. Forget God. Whatever. And so what we see with Job is that Job, so, okay, so Job, he was very depressed. He was very, he was even angry at God. Um, but he never, he never stopped waiting for God. He never did what his wife said, just curse God and die. He, he continued to trust that even though, you know, he has no idea what's going on, that God is there, that God loves him and that God is just and that he will, he will bless him. And what we see at the end of Job's story, and it's confusing and we don't know, there's a lot of kind of moral questions that we still have about it, but, you know, long story short, God ends up restoring everything that Job has to him and God was with him the whole time and God was blessing him and God was pleased with him. Um, and so James is encouraging us through Job that, um, that even though it's hard, especially when we're just devastated, um, don't stop trusting that God is good and that he loves you and that he is going to bless you because he will, just like he, just like he did for, um, for, for Job. So yeah, we need to be patient, um, cause it's going to take a lot longer than we think it will spiritual growth and developing these things James is talking about. And so to, when you think like a farmer, um, knowing that we will see results, even though it takes a long time. And we need to remember the prophets, the example of, of Old Testament figures like the prophets and like Job, who, um, who they continued to trust in God's goodness, even though at times they were just completely miserable and devastated. And I want to ask, kind of just as we close, how do we know if we have given up? So we said that patience means to not give up even though something's taking a lot longer than we expected it to. How do we know that we have given up? I think that the the clearest sign that you are starting to give up is not that you're making a lot of mistakes, not that you're sinning a lot, not that you're discouraged. I think the clearest sign that you're starting to give up is that you stop asking Jesus for help. I think it's that you, you stop asking Jesus for help. You know, so much of this stuff that James talks about really does, it, it really is intimidating. But look at what James says. I, I think Adam touched on this a few weeks ago. Um, this is in verse, in chapter 4, verse 6. He, he says, he's talking about all the evil that's in us and that's around us. And then he says in, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, But he, but God, he gives more grace. God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So the whole point of this, like I think James would say, if you if you kind of read through this book, and you feel like, oh gosh, I, I can't do this, then I think James would say, oh good, you're finally getting it. Because the whole point of this is to, is to show us 
that we need Jesus to help us and to get us to say, Jesus, you know, I have, I have these evil desires in me. Jesus, I have these, these, these conflicts I have with other people around me. Jesus, I can't control my tongue. Jesus, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm depressed. I, I need your help with my marriage or with my, with, with whatever. And then to come to Jesus and, and what does Jesus do? He says he gives more grace. Jesus is like, it's like coming to Jesus and saying, you know, Jesus, I was on the, I've been on like the, I've been trying to get by on the, um, on like the, the, the limited plan, the limited grace plan. I thought I only needed like 10 gigabytes of grace a month, but I just keep going over. It's not enough. So Jesus, I need the unlimited grace plan. And Jesus says, well, that's perfect. That's all that I, that's all that I offer. And I've already paid for it. And you can never use up all of the grace that I have. So, yeah, I encourage you to think about these things and especially to think about the things that as you're reading through James that you want to ask Jesus to help you with. Don't think of this as Jesus saying, hey, do these things and come talk to me later. But Jesus saying, um, this is the, where we're going and you're going to need me to help, me, help you, trust me. But keep asking me, keep crying out to me. And trust me, we're going to do this. It's going to take a lot longer than you might expect it will, but we will see results because I do love you and I am going to bless you. Um, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you, yeah, we praise you because you are with us and you do love us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would, and myself too, that you would help us to be patient. Um, and I pray that you would encourage us. And we pray that you would um, help us to grow in our families, in our personal lives, um, in, in every single way to grow up and in, into maturity into you. In Jesus' name, amen.